the reason Tammy used that children's message today, because we had that very message today in our own home. Tammy heard the alarm clock go off. She said, Larry, it's time to get up and go to work or go to church. No, I don't want to go to church. She said, you got to go to church. I said, oh, I'm too tired. I don't want to go to church. Oh, you got to go to church. I'd ask her to give me one good reason why I need to go to church today. She says, because you have daughters, Taylor and Hannah, and they, got, they require a lot of money, and you need to get paid. <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> oh, man. Today is today. Oh, tomorrow, uh, as Gail brings up about next Sunday, next Sunday is Pentecost, the day in which we celebrate the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Wear red. There's your memo. Wear red, if all possible, if you think of it. Wear red. Colors will need to be changed to red in the church, too. Uh, this Sunday is the Sunday in which we celebrate when Jesus, he gives them their last commandments and he ascends into heaven. And, and so that's our deal there. And so it leads us to Acts, Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall baptize with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the, the times and the seasons which the Father put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Two parts to this passage is number one. This two-part sermon, by the way. Number one, waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And number two, when will the, uh, when will the time come for the, uh, the restoring of, of Israel? What are those two things? That's where we go along. So let's deal with the first part is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Sadly, today, next week we celebrate Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit has come. Joel's chapter 2's prophecy is fulfilled through the first time 2,000 some years ago when the Holy Spirit was poured upon all people, all churches. We are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there has been times when we see revival going on in our country and in other places in the world where we have seen the Holy Spirit in full force. Sadly today, most churches are still waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. Most churches are waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. Because see, where the Holy Spirit will come, you will feel the power in which God gives you. And, and so let's talk about what does he mean being baptized by the Holy Spirit? What does he mean baptized by the Holy Spirit? I've always heard this one denomination, or several of them, a lot of holiness denominations, that will say you got evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you can speak in tongues. Well, I know those pastors that say they have the Holy Spirit that speaks in tongues, but they can cuss like a sailor at the same time. James tells us not salt water and fresh water can come from the same spring. And so when we look at what does he mean when he means baptized with the Holy Spirit? Number one, to get to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, you have to confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. 
And you need to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is planted in you, and it's your job to nurture it. But yet we do see at times when the Holy Spirit is more active in our lives than when other times when it's more active in our lives, that's what we call the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just speaking in tongues. If you go down to you go to Corinthians, it says it gives the gifts of the Spirit. And there's a whole there's a whole list of the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, we're going to narrow it down today. Uh, but we want to talk about what the Holy Spirit does not do. Number one, the Holy Spirit does not cleanse you from your sin. Jesus did that for you 2,000 years ago on the cross. If you are sitting there, now the Holy Spirit does sometimes help us break a habitual sin, but Jesus Christ has already cleared us of that sin when he died on that cross. He, he, he was buried and he rose again. So let's not get that, that confused there. A lot of times people say, well, I need the Holy Spirit to come in to cleanse me of my sin. No, Jesus has already cleansed you of your sin. If you're still holding on to sin, it's not because of Jesus' fault. That is our fault. Because he's given us the power over sin. He's given us the power to say no to sin. He's already done all the work for redeeming us with sin on the cross 2,000 years ago. And so the power and the cleansing of sin has already been done. There's no condemnation in those who believe in Jesus Christ. So we need to understand what the Holy Spirit's doing here. Uh, Many Christians will say, the Holy Spirit removed that sin from me. The Holy Spirit may have helped you, but you were broken from the chains of sin the day in which you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Here's our problem in the church today. Most of us, this is the story in John, I can't remember where John is, the, the, the pool the pool of Bathsheba, or not Bathsheba, Bethsaida, and, and uh, the pool there, and the angel comes once a day and stirs the water, and the first one in the water is healed of whatever, sin, whatever infirmary that they have. And there's a guy been in that story for 36 years. And when you really st study this in Greek, it really makes a point to you. When the guy comes along, and Jesus asks this guy, he's a cripple, how long you been here? 36 years. The guy replies. He says, do you want to be healed? And the guy automatically has an excuse. Oh, yeah, I would like to be healed, but, you know, this angel comes, and the first one ends, the one that's healed, and I can't, uh, and I just, just never happened to be the first one. Do you want to quit smoking? If you want to quit smoking, you'll quit smoking. You want to stop drugs, you want to stop alcohol, you want to stop pornography, you want to stop something else that's unhealthy in your life. You, the power has already been given to you to stop. And the question really is, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Because Jesus has already healed you from that sin, from that problem, 2,000 years ago on the cross. The Holy Spirit will help you live a holy life. It will help you overcome those things. But, but it's not the one that cleanses you from your sin. 
Jesus Christ dying on the cross does do that. And there's things that we do, and the next thing is there's things that we do that inhibit the Holy Spirit. The number one is, we just talked about sin that we've been done for, but we talk about sin, that the reoccurring sin, the re-unconfessed sin in our life, keeps the Holy Spirit from coming. If you have sin in your life, and we all are sinners, by the way, people, but most of us sin accidentally. You know, you get mad and you swear, or you get mad and you show your IQ to the car driving down the highway. You know, it's, a, it's a spur of the moment without thinking about sin. But for think about this other sins. You know, some people go along, you know, racism. If you've if you got a problem with racism, well, then the Holy Spirit's not coming. If you've got a problem uh, with finances, and not so much the lack of money, but you think, well, my money's my money. If God wants to feed the poor, let him earn his own money. I know people like that. And, and so, you know, God has given you everything you need plus 10% to help other people. And so on that. But think about all the different uh, sins in the world today. Greed, uh, you know, bad language. The number one, and reading this book, the number one sin that keeps us from having the Holy Spirit, does anybody want to guess what that is? Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, unbelief is good. Bad attitude. <laughs> Tammy's looking right at me now. I can feel the side of my face burning up. I hate moving people. I am not a happy camper that I got to move. I have a bad, I'm reading this book on the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it just, it just, it just cut me left and right, left and right. Bad attitude or a, now Tammy can't say this, but unloving attitude. A bad attitude or unloving attitude. Because what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. And does God ever have a bad attitude? I guess we can probably say a couple times in the Bible he did. But God is love. Kindness, gentleness. What's the Spirit? Uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Kindness, gentleness, love, patience. And if you don't have those things... The Holy Spirit will not enter you. Will not enter you. You wonder why sometimes your life is fruitless? Now, I'm not talking about you're not saved if you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's a whole different category. You've got to be saved to even be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so, I'm not saying that. You can still get into heaven and be a mean old person if you believe in Jesus Christ. It might be hard, but you may squeak in the door. That's between God and you, though. And so, but we've got to think. And I see so many times as a church, the lack of faith, bad attitude. And Lord, help me. Now, I know I'm preaching about myself for a minute. The lack of faith, bad attitude, and all these other things that are going on in our lives, we don't trust them to God first. You know, how many times do we go around complaining about stuff and not give it to God in prayer? Well, I'm just guilty as all can be. I'm not talking about any of you. I'm just sharing my current life with you all. Uh, <clears throat> but so, what is the Holy Spirit for? If the Holy Spirit doesn't cleanse us from our sin, what is the Holy Spirit there for for us? When he says, when you should be baptized by the power of the Holy Spirit, you shall be what? Number one thing that the Holy Spirit does in our life, and this will be the number one thing to tell whether or not you got the Holy Spirit dwelling in your life, are you a witness for Christ? Number one, all of us are given that gift. 
We all may have many different gifts. I do not, trust me, I do not have the gift of music anymore at all, period. You don't want to hear me sing. You don't want to hear me direct. You don't even want me here to call the songs off. Uh, they learned that at a funeral last week. But so on that is, that's not my gift. My gift's not music. My gift's not a lot of other things. But by everybody's gift, everybody was received the gift of witness. And what are we going to witness to? <clears throat> I think back to Psalms 51, King David. This is a Psalms where him and Bathsheba, you know, uh, Nathan comes to him. He realizes his sin. He goes to God. And he comes there, and just to paraphrase that, realize, number one, Excuse me, David recognizes his sin. Number one, we got to recognize sin. Number two, David said, Lord, clean, cleanse me and make me white as snow. So David, number one, realizes his sin. Number two, the only one that can forgive him of his sin and cleanse him is God. Number three, this whole story of David right there is number three. And when you do this to me, God... I will be a witness for you. I will go out and teach people about your kind and your loveness so others will learn about your love and come to believe in you. You, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, have been cleansed of your sin. Your past life is your past life, and that is our witness for Christ today. You know how I used to be in the CMA, the Christian Motorcycle Association? They teach us, they teach us to witness in two minutes or less. Well, okay, from everybody else but me, they teach you to witness for two minutes or less. Uh, you go along. Number one, where was I? You don't need a story 50 years ago. Man, I was having trouble in my marriage, or I was having trouble with my finances, I was having trouble with this, I was having trouble with my kids, whatever else. Man, I prayed and prayed to God, and God delivered us. This is what God did, and this is what my future looks like. Two minutes or less. What is God doing? What was in your life? That ain't me, is it? What is God doing? I mean, sounds like me. Uh, what is God doing in your, what was going on in your life? What is God doing in your life? And what does the future look like? That is the witness that we have about Jesus Christ. All of us have been given that gift. All of us have been given the gift of redemption. I don't care where you were in life. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you were forgiven of your sins. And so therefore, there's our witness. There's our number one witness. We're empowered to be a witness for Christ. Number two, number two is that we go along there. Our purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life is to be in service to God. People that we had Darcy and Tony here this morning, for those who are here for breakfast today. And they have started. It was just so neat. Tammy and I have known these two people for a long time. Before they started this uh, ministry of theirs. What's the name of their ministry real quick? Living what? Living Bridges. Living Bridges. There we go. I knew Bridges was somewhere in there. Living Bridges. But we knew them at the, at the very, before that started. And as Darcy said today, those who are here, they got to hear, you know, they started with this, there was this need for feeding people. Within that need, they come to realize they got to know these people, there was a bigger need, then there was a bigger need, then there was a bigger need. The Holy Spirit is working their life because he's showing them needs and they're being faithful to God, and God is blessing them and bringing the resources in. Does that mean that they don't have to work? Does that mean there's no trials and tribulation? Does it mean there's no nothing going on? No, they're on their knees praying every day. I don't know how much the building they just bought, but they just bought this big old building. They got to say, well, we got about the first year's mortgage paid for, and now... But, you know, next year's coming pretty quick. Twelve months later, it'll be next year. And they're going to need money for that. And so it doesn't mean we're not going to struggle. 
But those who are in service for God, those who are doing things, they're doing things for the bringing of the bringing peace to people, bringing comfort to people, doing things to bring honor and glory to God. That's another sign of the witness for this. The Holy Spirit uh, comes upon the believer, takes control of his or her faculties, and the person is able to do something he or she would not normally be able to do. Uh, speaking in public, there was no way you could have said 15 years ago that I thought I would have been a preacher. But here I is. I don't know, good or bad, I don't know. Joe fired me today. I had to turn in my two-week notice. Next in two weeks, we're moving to Lake Park. <laughs> it's Joe's fault we're leaving. Let's address the second part of this real quick. The second part of this uh, sermon real quick is these people, now this is the 12. When he says he, he got, got together with them, this is the 12. This is the 12 disciples right there with him. Well, I guess it's probably 11 at this time, really. But the 11 apostles are right there with him. What is their thing? What is their one thing they keep asking? We see it back in the Old Testament. I'm not in the Old Testament. We see it back at the end of the New Testament. They keep asking Jesus this question. When will Jerusalem be restored? When will Jerusalem be restored? When will Jerusalem? That is their key. They thought Jesus. This is the whole reason Judas gets involved and goes backwards. But they get going along there. They want to know when Jerusalem is going to be restored. They're going to kick out all the Palestinians. And they're going to be their own country. Jesus or the Messiah is going to live with them. And life is going to be hunky-dory from here on out. But we're still waiting for that day. And so when Jesus says, when Jesus says, it is not for you to know the time or the season, he's talking directly to those people. That is not something for us so much today. And one way it is, one way it's not. And he's talking directly to those people. They're wanting the end. They're wanting the end. And, and boy, you know, I'm kind of this way too. You work on a project, you work on a project, and then the new project is coming. You really would just want to be done with this old project and start. And many times we leave the old project behind to start the new project because it's more exciting. Well, that's kind of where these people are at. They want to go along. They realize, you know, Jesus has died. He's risen again. He's with them. And we, okay, now we know all this. We want the, we want the kingdom restored. Jesus is saying, wait, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do between here and there. And so don't worry about, don't worry about the end times. Well, I teach, you know, I like to teach Revelation. I like to teach the end time stuff. I like to read on that. I study that quite a bit. But here's my one problem, going to a church or going to a set of people. They're like kids. You all, and me and myself, are like kids. When I was a kid... My parents had an Airstream trailer, and this is the days before cell phones. And they, my dad worked these weird shifts, so once a month he had seven days off. You know, he worked these different shifts, different hours, and once a month he had, the last week of the month, he always had these seven days off. And so my mom and him would hop in this truck, in this Airstream trailer. I was in school. I was in high school, junior and senior in high school, and they would take off. We'll be home on Saturday. I mean, this is like Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, the week before. We'll be home the following Saturday. Well, I knew any time from Wednesday to Saturday they were going to show up. So what day did I clean the house? Taylor, we will be home Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> Just so you know this, I'm up front. When did we start cleaning the house and getting things back in order? 
on Wednesday. Because that was the day they might be coming home. I knew the season in which they were getting close for them to come home. Did I know the date and time? No. But I knew it was soon. Sometimes they'd show up at 10 o'clock at night. Sometimes they'd show up at 7 o'clock in the morning. Depends on how my dad drove and everything else. But I knew in this little window... So when he says that, that don't worry about the season and time, that's for them. Because the Bible is clearly know the season and time in which we're in. Read, read the end, read Mark 13, Luke 21, Matthew 24. No, these are the signs of the end. And if you read them, you realize how close we are to the end. But here's the problem. Most people want to play. When, when's that last moment before I got to get my life right with God? Because I know God's a graceful and a merciful God. And we, 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 how far can I push it until he comes home? When there be times my parents would be gone, I know uh, they said Saturday, I'll push it to Friday. Sometimes I got caught, sometimes I did not. And so, I mean, it was a bad day when you got caught, though. But so we go along there, go along, and so Jesus is telling these people. And the message for us, too, is, yeah, the end's coming, people. Know the seasons and times, because the Bible clearly tells us the season and time. We don't know the day or the hour. We don't know the exact moment. But know this one thing for sure, Jesus is coming. He says, like in the days of Noah. And many people look at the signs of Noah. But what was the one key factor with Noah and when he brought all the animals and all of his family on board? When the door was shut, the door was shut and sealed by God. The door of grace will be sealed and shut by God, and the Holy Spirit will be removed from the earth along with his church, the true believers in Christ, and the rest will be behind to deal with the tribulation and the great tribulation. Know the season of time. And he's really telling these people, yeah, the end's coming, don't worry about it. Be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And what are we supposed to be doing? We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness to Christ in the world. When was the last time you shared your faith with anybody? And I'm not talking about, well, I got saved and baptized as a kid. No, when was the last time that somebody seen and felt Jesus in you? If it's been a while, <clears throat> know this. The Holy Spirit's knocking at the door. I'm not saying you're not saved. The Holy Spirit's knocking at the door, and you just need to answer it. Because the number one gift of the Holy Spirit is to be a witness for Christ. And so how are you doing with that gift? The end is near, people. How is it near? Is it tomorrow? Is it 10 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now? I don't know. But I promise you, when you really study the end, it is near. How many people of Christ come today would not know about the love of Jesus because you or I did not tell them? Maybe our greatest sin, as what John Wesley would say, is the sin of silence. If we truly want the Holy Spirit manifested in us, we will start living for Jesus today. Let us pray. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, and Lord, I know, I admit in my own life that the Holy Spirit's not there because you make me move. And I got a bad attitude. But Lord, we just ask you to continue to be with us, to help us with our attitudes. But Lord, the number one thing, we can also have this attitude, but we can also say, I know Christ is working in my life, but I can still be a witness. I can be a witness in my own life that 
<clears throat> there's no parsonage to go to, but yet you provided us a house at the right rate. We don't have furniture, but you provided a house with furniture. You provided us a church to go and proclaim the gospel. You have provided so much, even though some of us still whine. Uh, Lord, we just ask you to forgive us for our bad attitude. Forgive us for being unloving. Forgive us of those things. And your word tells us what's true in our heart that you truly forgive us. And let us find a way to be a witness to all that we meet. Everyone, Lord, that we meet needs to hear about your love. And Lord, let us be, let us be forgiven of that sin and go out and share our faith. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.